Hey guys, this is David Bigelow with Making the Monster on Verbal Shenanigans. I hope you tune in and learn more about the project when we're getting ready to release it. Hello, everybody. Welcome on back. Very exciting time here at the Verbal Shenanigans uh, studio, if you will. The, the cobwebs are hung. The jack-o'-lanterns are lit. Uh, the candy is strewn about. The goblins are um, goblining all over the place. Gobble, gobble. I'm a goblin. <laughs> it, is, it is yet again our Halloween spectacular... A um, couple days after Halloween, spectacular. But hey, we're we're here. We are here, Mike. Are you are you still in the the Halloween spirit? I am, Scott. As as any, everybody knows, how much money we make for this show, mm-hmm. you have no idea the kind of discounts you get at Spirit Halloween in November. Let me uh, tell you. What, what do you think the run? Like, how long does Spirit Halloween go to? Do you think there's like a because you figure there's got to be people going in at least a week afterwards, like getting deals and stuff for the next year. It's hard to say because you got to remember they are grabbing all that real estate that was for former Circuit Cities and right. Toys R Uses and malls and stuff like that. So I'm guessing they have a month to month rental. So I wouldn't be surprised Halloween night is just like rip everything out. Let's get the <laughs> hell out of here. But I feel like there's got to be a good market for people. You know, the people who are really into Halloween as far as, like, getting decorations for their next year's uh, house, uh, getting even discount costumes, who know. Some people probably have late Halloween parties, like a week after, you know, kind of like this episode. Um, Like, we cater to that audience, to late Halloweeners. Yeah, we're we cater to the people who say I really don't celebrate Thanksgiving, so we give you a little something extra before Christmas. Exactly, exactly. But uh, yeah, we over the years we've had a lot of um, fun Halloween episodes. If you will, we used to always just make sure that we had Halloween and Christmas episodes as kind of the unique episodes. I think we missed one or two here, here and there. Um, but you know, we'll we'll bring back the Halloween episode and we'll bring back the Christmas episode this year. We um, celebrated President's Day a couple times. We did celebrate the President's Day um, episode with like <laughs> four actual candidates that were mostly most of them out of their minds. But mm-hmm. um, you know, it was a good episode. So we tried to get. Are, are you saying Barbara Joe Waymire is not going to defeat the Biden Trump train? At, at this point, I don't think she's even that. Like that was she like may eight, not be alive. Yeah, Let's start with that. But also eight years ago. Or whatever that was. That that seems like a long time ago, that episode. Um, she seemed like a crazy candidate. Now we have Trump and Joe Biden, where Barbara Joe Waymar doesn't seem like the worst choice in the world. She so, might be one of their vice president nominees. Yeah. That's how <laughs> I, I was gonna say, let's not throw I mean, Barbara Joe might be just as sane as those two. So <laughs> um But we've had a lot of cool Halloween guests on. We've had people from The Walking Dead, we had people from the um was Child's Play. The Museum of Crime, Child's Play. Um, uh, a vampire. We had a, a vampire. made fangs. Yeah. Vampire, which leads me to one of our other guests, uh, which I wanted to jump on here to start Ooh. with. Um, 
we once had Russ McCamey on for a Halloween episode, I believe. Um, yes, we did. I'm pretty sure that was a Halloween episode. But if, if that name sounds familiar, Russ McCamey um, was the, or is technically, the creator of McCamey Manor. And if you guys have seen anything online, uh, Facebook groups, YouTube, uh, Hulu just put out a documentary, which you sent me the picture the other day, and I actually got an email. It was like, check this out. Um, Russ McCamey, uh, and little background if you don't know who he is, uh, it's supposed to be like the scariest haunt in um, in the country, and he was offering like twenty thousand dollars if you completed the haunt. Um, uh, and you, you, if you if you look up YouTube, you just see people with like tarantulas on them, and their face duct taped, and paint all over them, and dirt put in their mouths, and it, it looks horrendous. You know, water and then when Scott gets off of you porn, he actually looks up our former guest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How do you know what I'm into? You know, I mean, your wife sends me to reports every month. So, <laughs> um, so, so that means that your neighbor knows too, because you guys share the same Wi-Fi. Well, I'm well, the 15 year old kid, not the not the adult in there. That'd be sick. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, all sorts of controversy surrounds this guy, Russ. Um. Now, at the time. We had I had heard a little bit of it uh, when we put the episode out. I definitely got some comments like that guy's a dirtbag. Um, that guy is, is horrendous. Um, and I did watch the documentary. I figured uh, I'll give it a quick watch before we do this episode. And uh, one, I will say the documentary. Terrible. <laughs> really? <laughs> not not very good. Because um, usually those Hulu Netflix ones. <laughs> Usually, like, hit and people, like, talk about it for months on end, you know? It was just, it was, like, three people's accounts of Russ being, now, we'll get to Russ in a second, okay? It was three mm-hmm. people's accounts of the manor, and it just, like, they filmed it like a horror movie, almost, like, the documentary, like, the people doing the interviews were behind, like, flickering TVs behind them, and, like, dark lighting, and very dramatic. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like three people's accounts, and it felt like they told the same story over and over and over again. Like, okay, I was down on my luck. I was addicted to adrenaline rush, this, 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 and this. And, um, you know, this is what happened at the matter. But if these people's accounts are true, um, which I do I do believe them, um, we may have had uh, what is pretty close to a sociopath uh maybe sexual harasser, maybe possible murderer on our podcast. Um, now, we have had a murderer on our podcast before, but that was a different yeah. story. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was more of a redemption story uh, in some ways. But, yeah, so the, the accusations, the Facebook groups, the uh, all these people, like, trying to, you know, uncover what Russ did. Apparently, he was hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt to the the uh, IRS. Uh not reporting any of the money he was making from his manor, telling people that it was all um, it was all made up, that everything they're saying is wrong. And meanwhile, there's these pictures of people like coming out of there with like swollen faces and wounds and their hair cut off. And uh, towards the end, it seems like he wasn't even doing anything in the manor anymore. <laughs> he was just taking people into his backyard for like 24 hours. And literally just torturing them, putting them in cages. He had no actors working with him anymore. It was just him and like 
him duct taping like women's eyes closed and just just telling them to like open their mouths and throwing color on there. Real creep. Okay. So <laughs> maybe he wasn't the best guest we've have, ha, ever had on, but we it's certainly so who we got on tonight, Scott. Uh, so coming back again <laughs> for the second time, <laughs> Russ McCamey. Now, my question. So yeah, the, the documentary I didn't think was super well done. I thought it was way too over the top with the horror stuff, mm. uh, trying to make it like dark and scary. It would be, I think it'd be better if it's just like factual. They never even like really go into like what the actual house was like. They're just telling their accounts of how there was torture. I did want to know like what it was like in the beginning. Was it actually like a haunted house? Um, yeah. Stuff like that. They really didn't get into much. Of it. it was really like three people telling their story over and over and over again. So it sounds like almost like a 60 minutes hit piece versus like a true let's get behind the scenes and figure this out. Sort of, yeah, yeah. You know, they're exposing him. The one girl says that he kept her up for 36 hours and visited her hotel room before the the haunt, and she had to do, like, hundreds of push-ups and sit-ups and stuff like that before and stay up, and then she went into the thing, like, completely asleep, and she doesn't know what happened. Yeah, I, I mean, I he put me through that, and then he... He commented about my stank, and I had to leave the manor. It was terrible. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> where's my money at? And the real suspicious part of this all is obviously that no one's really ever won the haunt. No one's ever been paid. Meaning this guy's definitely a con artist in some ways. There's a lot of people out there who will go through anything <laughs> to win money and to get the fame and the notoriety and stuff like that, and no one's been paid. I mean, right off the bat, when you said he he kept me up for thirty six hours, it's like, wait a minute, where where's the finish line? Like, that's the I, I figure thing. it would be like twenty four hours at best. But that's the thing; I don't think there is an actual finish. I think it's like when he is done or when you completely quit. But then there's some people were saying there there is no actual safe word, so you don't you can't quit. Like he just he <laughs> basically has his way with you. They were saying this one woman, one guy, they put him in a cage like up to his like where his face was touching the cage basically and mm-hmm. filling it with water all the way above his head where he couldn't get move out of the cage and just lowering like really crazy stuff, man. Like really like I know I mean you would went to a haunted house together and I always say this about haunted houses, like there's a there's a line. Like even the one we went to where we all got separated like there are some cool parts to it, but the minute we got separated, kind of took a like, yeah, it became a little bit more scary. But like, I'm more in favor of like going with the group, laughing at oh, Mike just you know Mike just freaked mm-hmm. out at that skeleton that popped out, or or where you could share the like you could talk about it after like oh yeah did you remember when that one got you or you got you know like once the separation and the isolation and putting they put us in those little like coffin things you remember that I remember that yeah. yeah. Even then, I'm like a little uneasy. I'm like, I don't trust these like high school drama kids that are putting me in coffins, and you know, like I don't know, I don't know. There's a line where it doesn't become fun anymore. Yeah, if I recall, in that like you, me, and my wife finished. Uh-huh. If I recall, your wife had some story where they were going to throw cockroaches on her, and yeah. I'm like, you know, they rent this place. I don't think <laughs> yeah. anybody's going to allow live cockroaches to be thrown in their building and then be like, here's the key, rent it out next month. Yeah, and in her defense or anyone's defense, that quit, when you're in like that like heightened state of, of fear or whatever, you know, when someone says that, I could see where like you're not thinking 
clearly like that. You're like, I'm out. See you later. Especially if no. you're afraid of like, but like I'm done. Yeah. See ya. Um, I did not get off with the cockroach throw. I don't know if that was like a, you know, little side room or something. I don't know if you got offered the cockroach. Uh, no, yeah, I guess it's like a whole different maze and wherever you go. So, I mean, you did write that letter the next day, dear haunted house. Um, yeah. I, I would like to inform you that I was not offered the cockroach option. Um, yeah. I, would like I, I looked at back. your brochure yep. and, and like, as the guy was chasing me with the chainsaw, I'm like, are you taking me to the cockroach room? <laughs> yes or <laughs> yeah. no. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like the McCammy Manor thing, like yeah, pretty dark. I could have, I thought it could have been a little bit more well done and have more of a conclusion. I guess he's still doing it somewhere, and and he works at like Walmart. My my thought, my thought at the end of it, not to spoil anything, I don't know, is that it, if there's all this stuff on him where he's crossing the line and people like accusing sexual, like I would think there'd be some kind of police cases against him, or there'd be some kind of legal action at some point. Yeah, you would figure there'd be some kind of sting where they send somebody in there just to see what it is. Uh, I kind of wonder, like, when he he starts doing this, like, we talked about, like, 36 hours. Like, is there a point where he runs out of material and he's just, like, looking around the house for (laughs) something? Ooh, blunder! Either that or he just repeats and says, all right, back in the cage again. Like, is it just the same couple of things? I don't know. I know, but don't worry, guys. We're not going to have Russ back on again. Well, maybe we Aww. maybe we would for the views. I, I don't know. So, Mike, I was um, continuing with our Halloween spectacular. Here. I was working on a bit this week in in line of like a game that I've done in the past. Some of these longer games, these creative games, I try to do, and I couldn't finish it. Okay, I couldn't ah. finish it. It just. I won. Where's my twenty grand? It, see, yeah, yeah, that's what he did. Ah, I didn't do the give. I didn't give you the real experience. You should come back. And there was people that were going back for like second and third times. It, insane. Um, and I, I was said to myself, yeah, you know, maybe I'll finish this bid and translate it to Christmas, or even save it for for next year. You know, like um, so you you're know. getting chased by the Christmas ghoul. Yeah. <laughs> But what I did say to myself, we're living in a spooky era these days, right? Where mm-hmm. AI is constantly taking over AI. I, I said it a couple months ago. I said, we really just, we just welcomed AI to the table in no time. We were just like, oh, chat GPT. Oh, okay. And all of a sudden every video you see now is AI art, AI this. So I decided, Mike, you know, in, in a panic to maybe let AI direct some of the bits in our show. Today, oh. Halloween themed bits. I I proposed some questions. I asked it to write some things for us that might carry us, you know, through. And and they're all related to the show. It might carry us through some of the dead air, if you will. Oh, very nice. Oh, I see what you did there with dead air. You yeah, know yeah. that that's Halloweeny. Um. So, Mike, I guess we'll start here. Um. I know that your your favorite horror movie character, or from what I understand, is Freddy Krueger. That is correct. Uh, big Robert England fan. I've tried to get him a million times uh, to no avail, obviously. Um, but I I decided to ask AI um, and to also relate Freddy Krueger to another guy that was a topic of one of our winners of the Deadpool or, or close to it, DMX. Ooh. The rapper Darkman X. You know, he, he was pretty dark in his day. Um, so I asked AI to write a rap in the form of DMX by Freddy Krueger. 
Oh, nice. Um, now I have not performed this, so I'm going to just go with it. Okay. You know, I hope you, and you, maybe you could review what you think about the song that AI has, has created for us. Right? Now, before you start, do you, right. you do know Freddy Krueger has a rap album, right? <laughs> I, I, I do recall us possibly even talking about this one, yes. maybe it, listening to a song. Yeah. Um, Are you ready for Freddy? It was called. <laughs> okay. Do you own the album? I do not. I mean, well, it, it would be meant to be hung up. I mean, the, the, I, I couldn't possibly allow the CD to skip, Scott. So the the Christmas episode's coming up. So uh, gift ideas, you know. All right, here we go. Freddy Krueger, I'm the nightmare creator. In your dreams, I'm the ultimate hater. I slice and dice, bring terror at night. In the Elm Street, I'm the purest fright. I wear that gloves, the blade shining bright. Your worst dreams are where I take flight. I haunt your sleep, make your heart race. In my dream world, there's no safe place. I'm Freddy Krueger. I'm coming for your soul. In your nightmares, I take control. With my claws, I'm about to take a toll. DMX style, I'm on dark patrol. Okay, that was the chorus right there. That was the chorus, right? Okay, verse two, here we go. I'm a demon in your head, no escape from the dread. Raise your fingers, make you wish you were dead. In the boiler room, I call home. In your dreams, I forever roam. I'll make you scream. I'll make you cry. You can't deny. You can't defy. In the dream world, I'm the king. Freddy Krueger, hear my sing. I'm Freddy Krueger. Tell me for your soul. Mm, mm. In your nightmares, Mm, I mm. take control. Mm, mm. With my claws, I'm about to take a toll. DMX style, I'm on dark patrol. Okay, there's one more verse if you'd like to hear I'm a monster born from the dark desires. In your mind, I light the fires. You can't run. You can't hide. In your dreams, I'll be your God. I'm the nightmare that you can't shake. In the dream world, I'm wide awake. You can't defeat what you can't see. Freddy Krueger, I'm the one to be. All right. (laughs) All right. Um, Like your performance. Thank you. That also, I swear on my dog. The first time I read it through, I was like, "I'm just gonna, just gonna wing this." Yeah, I, I think the performance is good. <laughs> the song is all right. I mean, the rhymes are kind of, you know, fifth grader for lack of a better term. But right. I, I dug some parts about it. Do you uh, think it stood up to the Freddie rap rap album? Uh, I mean, <laughs> come on, man. He, you, you just trying to climb a hill, and you talk about a mountain, my friend. Yeah. Come on, now. gotcha. Well, the, the whole point of this discussion is do we see if AI is at a point where it's more entertaining than the bits we could create, right? Is is AI better at this than we are, okay? Um, so, yeah, that was uh, that was Freddy Krueger in, in the style of DMX, okay? All right. The next thing I, I decided to ask AI um, to create me 10 would-you-rather questions involving hot famous halloween icons you know you know how we love to to put scenarios out to each other to take things away from each other all these wacky goofy things that we do here on the show so i figured i'd let ai take a crack at it and we'll see if any of these questions are are good okay all right we'll see what we got here would you rather spend the night in a haunted house with a friendly ghost like casper or face off against a swarm of bats like dracula I gotta think the first one. 
I mean, of course. I mean, so far AI is failing. You're going to take the yeah. friendly ghost or get a bunch of vampire yeah. bats. Like I was ready for like, okay, Casper's annoying versus like something. All right. It's a little next level, but the, like right. bats attacking me and there's nobody who goes. Ha, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. So far AI's lead off question. Pretty terrible. Okay. Yeah. I, okay. Would you rather be chased by a headless horseman through a dark forest or have a friendly chat with a wise witch like Hermione Granger from uh, Hermione Granger from Harry Potter again. Uh, okay. So a murderer <laughs> on a horse is chasing me with no head, with no head in a forest. Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. chat with a witch on the phone. A friendly witch, by the a way. A friendly witch. I mean, yeah. yo for two AI. I mean, <laughs> so far AI is not crushing the rhetorical yeah. questions or the questions that make you think. Okay, Let, let's give it another chance. Okay, all right. <laughs> this is thrilling question here. Would you rather attend a costume party dressed as a mummy or a werewolf, Mike? Boom. Think about that one. Let that one simmer on your brain. Oh, this, uh, I, I mean, the answer is werewolf just because that's probably just like a mask I can rip off versus like, which would probably be like tons of bandages or toilet paper right, surrounding right. my body. So, yeah, werewolf. Yeah, I'm going to go werewolf, too, because you could also I'm not big on masks. I don't love like especially like the rubber latex masks, but you could do the werewolf with like some fur on your face. Patchy fur, yeah. Patchy know. fur. Yeah, all day. So, boom, bringing those cutthroat, hard-hitting questions. Chat GPT here. All right. <laughs> Would you rather go trick-or-treating with the mischievous Jack Skeleton or the adorable E.T.? All right. Who do you want to trick-or-treat with? Who do you want to go around the town with your pillowcase and... I guess Jack Skellington, just on the fact that even though it's cool to be around with E.T., he's got those little feet. So, it's like, two blocks thing. are going to take you, like, three hours. Yeah, yeah. Unless he's able to – unless you bring a bike with you, and you could really cover a lot of the neighborhood. Yeah, but we'd be in the air. So how am I going to knock on the door and say trick-or-treat? But what if, like – um what if it's like, you know, we know the other side of town gives out the big candy bars and the rich side of town, we could just fly on over to there on the bike. Or we could go to another town and really, really you know, get get a variety of what the surrounding areas are, are giving out for Halloween. I mean, he'd probably be crying the whole time about going home and all that stuff along the way when I just want to get candy bars. That's yeah. my kind of thought process. Plus, he's very... Distinctly, only Reese's Pieces, if you recall. Like, know, but, like yeah. I'm gonna have all this bag of goodies, and he's just gonna like do his finger thing and flow them away, and it's like, where's my Reese's Pieces? Yeah. But I feel like Jack might get annoying by the end. Like, stop singing show tunes. Like, we're just trick or treating, man. Like, I am Jack. I'm the pup. Like, shut up. Yeah, well, that's when I go two houses ahead, but I yeah. can still walk at my own pace versus my little midget friend. I feel like he'd catch up to you quick. He's got those long, long legs. Like, his stride's got to be huge. I mean, it's pretty decent, but I think I can live through the night versus, like, just being in a... I can't wait for certain things. Would you rather have a magical broomstick like Harry Potter or or a talking black cat like Salem from Sabrina the Teenage Witch? Ooh! Bam! I could do stuff with the... 
the broom, you know, fly around, whatever, the cat. Oh, oh, oh. No, 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 no. <laughs> All right, let me put it there. Now fly. Hey. <laughs> Ow. Uh, yeah, the, I think the the snarky cat thing would get old pretty fast. Wait, um, wait, wait, wait. There is no way you're telling me Michael Burlow, the man who out in public will go and talk to an animal, the man uh-huh. who has created voices for my animal, comes along, yeah. finally gets a talking animal that can talk to you, and yeah. you're going to take a broom. You're going to take a broom instead of a talking yeah. cat. Yeah. All that conversation, that's all me. That's all that I'm enjoying. And all. You, don't want the cat, ri- you don't want the rest of the cat actually, like, hating you, yeah. and giving you its political opinions and, like, telling you what you do wrong. And- oh, yeah. He just tells me off. And, like, all the people are like, oh, you just got burned by a cat. <laughs> no. People no, come no, over to fly visit. around in the broom <laughs> and then go to Jack Skellington's uh, <laughs> kind of street. And then we're going trick-or-treat and we're going to be fine. Don't have to worry about E.T., or nothing like that. People just come to visit you, but really just hang out by the cat all night, and you're kind of sitting alone, kind of oh, like yeah. a cat. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's like, uh, I brought a date here, but uh, she left with the cat. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. I- I'm gonna. I'm just going to do two more on this list. Um, would you rather visit the mysterious Adams Family Mansion or explore the bizarre world of Tim Burton's Beetlejuice? Yeah, AI. Hit him with the hard stuff. Go ahead. Try to figure out an answer on that one. Uh, I think I'm going to go with Beetlejuice. I wasn't uh, an Adams Family guy growing up. I was more of a Munsters uh, person. The funny, and, the funny Adams Family. I, I mean, plus they're more like kind of close. I, I guess Beetlejuice <laughs> would just be more fun to like number one i get to see the afterlife so i know what's going on out there to prepare myself and i just feel like he's he's going to be more of a party than the adams family side note we also did have eddie monster on the podcast if anybody wants to go back and check that out Uh, butch patrick butch patrick is his name all right last one that ai is going to give you here Would you rather attend a Halloween party with the Sanderson sisters from Hocus Pocus or go on an adventure with the Ghostbusters? Oh, Ghostbusters. Okay. Yeah. Like, not even a shadow of a doubt. No, like, I'm going to spend the whole night, like, attacking ghosts. I got my proton pack on. I'm going to blow holes through stuff. I got Bill Murray next to me. You would, cross, yeah. you would cross the streams in like two seconds and blow all the Ghostbusters oh, yeah. away and like, open some dimension where, where uh, what's her name? Uh, Go- Gozar the... Gozar? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something <laughs> like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that probably will happen. You yeah. know? I, I would get some guff from Egon. I'm not going to... Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> I am also... I'm not... I didn't grow up on Hocus Pocus. I know people love it. I don't have any real opinions on it like i don't hate it i don't love it but i'm not hanging out with those three chatty witches if you will yeah yeah i think they're over the top talking and just yeah. like pg you know i, I want to hang out with bill murray and Dan okay. right okay okay all right well mike what do you think of bit number two that ai has created for us here on the show uh, you know, they finished strong. They had a couple of good questions near the end. Like a lot of stuff is just like, do you want a friendly ghost or get hacked by a chainsaw kind of thing? Uh, it started slow. 
retards okay. slow. It probably knows that I'm trying to destroy it by, you know, having it try to eat babies and stuff like gotcha, that. Gotcha, gotcha. All right. So, uh, you know, no, no, I mean, I'm giving, I'm going over for 2 for AI. Uh, actually, I didn't mind the rap song. I thought the rap song was stronger than the questions. But, mm. um, all right, Mike. Um, tell the listeners about your October uh, project that you do um, every year that just ended on, on Tuesday. Yeah, uh, pumpkin spice, whatever. Uh, I usually do about 31 days of nonstop pumpkin eating items. I give my reviews, I have a little conversations when she does it with my wife. And uh, we've been doing it for about you mean seven you years. Nonstop pumpkin items. You don't <laughs> use pumpkin eating items every 30 days because that would be interesting like you have machines and uh, yeah. other things that eat eat the pumpkins would be a little strange well well now you got next year's plan <laughs> just we're right not using our mouths this year <laughs> i went to the Mythbusters. this this robot's going to eat a pumpkin this year look at that go yeah <laughs> um was there a favorite item of the month at all uh favorite item um like the one that stuck out to me was i would probably say uh that we have a, a dessert place by us called piece of heaven that had uh pumpkin cinnamon rolls and that was like top notch because it was like a literal they had different flavor it wasn't just like pour pumpkin on top of a Roll. They made like a special like whipped cream on it, nice. and they got all the flavors on that. Uh, I will say, whoever can eat an entire box of pumpkin spice frosted flakes has no teeth left. <laughs> I do not like. It's one of those like you take a bite. Oh, this ain't bad, and then you take the second bite, and you're like, okay, this is a little too much, and then about a third bite, diabetes. So, nice. well, I um. I went ahead and I asked AI. Um, I asked them to write me a comedy script about a wacky white guy who does a show called Pumpkin Spice Whatever. Oh, um, so let's. Um, I'm going to read through the script. Uh, there's multiple characters. I'll try to break this down the best oh. I can. Okay, um, Pumpkin Spice Whatever with Wacky Willie uh, was the name of, of the of the uh, script here. Right. Um, the setting is a quirky, bright-colored TV studio with pumpkin-themed decorations. Are you are you you feeling it so far? Are you feeling okay? It? Okay. The, I'm the characters the are Wacky Willie, the eccentric and enthusiastic host. Yeah, Mike. Be me. Be okay. you. And Jenny, Wacky Willie's quirky co-host and sidekick. Okay, so that's my wife. Okay. And the guests are a variety of eccentric guests who all share a love of pumpkin spice. Ooh. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. The show opens with a vibrant pumpkin-themed set, and the camera pans to Wacky Willie, who is dressed head-to-toe in pumpkin spice-themed attire. Wacky Willie says enthusiastically, Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Pumpkin Spice Whatever. I'm your host, Wacky Willie, and I'm ready to spice up your evening. Who's excited for some pumpkin madness tonight? The audience cheers. Ah! Jenny excitedly, I am Willie, and so are our fantastic pumpkin-loving guests. We've got pumpkin spice enthusiasts from all walks of life tonight. The camera pans to the guests, each dressed in a pumpkin spice-themed outfit. Wacky Willie enthusiastically, that's right. Tonight we have pumpkin spice baristas, pumpkin spice bodybuilders, and even a pumpkin spice astronaut. The audience... <laughs> 
they laugh. Wacky Willie to the astronaut. So how do you enjoy your pumpkin spice in space? The astronaut enthusiastically, well, I use pumpkin uh, spice scented air fresheners in my helmet. It's out of this world. Audience, ah. Jenny to the barista and you. How do you make the perfect pumpkin spice latte? The barista demonstrating it's all about the frothy milk, a pinch of cinnamon, and a sprinkle of starla- stardust. La, the audience applauses. Wacky Willie, incredible! Now let's not forget about our pumpkin spice bodybuilder. What's your secret? bodybuilder he's flexing all about the pumpkin protein shakes and the pumpkin scented weights it gives me that extra pump kin (laughs) jenny enthusiastically and we can't forget our live pumpkin spice cooking segment a chef starts making pumpkin spice dishes chef explaining we're making pumpkin spice pizza pumpkin spice sushi and pumpkin spice ice cream because why not (laughs) the audience is dying Wacky Willie to the chef. How about a pumpkin spice hot dog? Chef goes, well, we could try that too. (laughs) The audience is dying. As the show progresses, it becomes more and more outrageous. The guests compete in a pumpkin spice themed challenges. The audience roars with laughter. Jenny, (laughs) Willie, Willie is the craziest show we've ever done. Wacky Willie. (laughs) That's the spirit, Jenny. It's all about having fun and embracing pumpkin spice madness. The show ends with Wacky Willie and Jenny leading a pumpkin spice dance party. Wacky Willie dancing. Thanks for joining on, on pumpkin spice whatever. Remember, keep the pumpkin spice spirit alive all year round audience cheer and the show fades out with laughter and upbeat music pumpkin spice whatever with wacky willie is a zany and entertaining show that celebrates the love of pumpkin spice in the most outrageous and hilarious ways possible and ai's got some budget i don't have that stuff (laughs) (laughs) my computer and whatever i grabbed at the dollar store um so are you seeing a vision? Could you take anything from Wacky Willie and his uh, guests and show? I mean, I love the setup. It reminds me of, as a, you tell me that, it almost sounds like a bit on a, like, remember TGIF? Like, yeah. not the main shows. It wouldn't be like Full House or Family Matters or stuff like that. It'd be like that show in the middle that you kind of forgot but kind of remember at the same time, maybe like step by step, where right. like uh, right. cousin Cody's like, "Whoa, welcome yeah. to Pumpkin Spice, whatever." Oh, <laughs> something like to that effect. Now, now, are maybe maybe it's time to to broaden the production to get get the studio audience in there right. to get Pumpkin Spice bodybuilders. Mike, don't tell me you ever thought of that. Wacky Willie did. <laughs> no, man. I mean, uh, my game is not as high as Wacky Willie's, man. I mean, I. <laughs> I feel like I got like he's probably dressed up like in the David S. Pumpkins suit and whatever. And like yep. I can imagine the co the girl is like got orange hair or maybe like a green stem on top. Her name is I Jenny, like by the, the way. Please yeah. call her by her name. Oh, I apologize, fictional Jenny, wherever you're at. Yep. Um I mean that sounds way more entertaining than my show. I'll give him credit, AI. I w- I wish I could be that enthusiastic and have a, like an audience and rem- say, Oh, I go to the gym. I should ask one of the bodybuilders to come on pumpkin spice or whatever. So how do you feel about AIs? Now you've, you've wrote many a fan fiction on the show. You've wrote mm-hmm. a bunch of games as have I, how do you feel AI did on this one? Did they knock it out of the park? 
I think that's a solid like B plus. Like I said, I could actually see a vision of seeing it, or maybe like on the Food Network have like one of the like higher end like uh, hosts do like a special October pumpkin spice whatever here yep. on the Food Network. Yep. Totally so, can see that going yeah, through. You got to You got to trademark the name quickly before AI takes over and rips that show right from your hands. I've been doing it for seven years. Believe me, this show is worth nothing. <laughs> nothing all right mike so we had pumpkin spice whatever we had uh freddy krueger's rap song we had some uh would you rather questions you know um let's let's check out a couple more ai created um bits oh okay um this one let's lighten the mood a little bit i asked ai yeah what are some jokes uh, or create jokes that a Hacky, create hacky jokes that a pumpkin would tell um, if, if it was a character. Mm. Okay? That, Which, that sounds somewhat familiar. Yeah, it harkens back. I don't know if you remember years ago, we had the hack-o'-lantern on many a times. Um, he would come on, um, you know, very funny comic, very funny, but tell very hacky. He was a pumpkin who would just tell terrible yeah. jokes. Um, yeah, he was an open mic kind of uh yeah. comedian right there yeah. yeah open mic open mic comic uh top-notch pumpkin though um so here's a couple that ai spit out uh, maybe you can guess some of these punchlines uh mike why did the pumpkin go to the doctor uh why because he was feeling a little squashed oh <laughs> <laughs> what do you I was call thinking of gourd and i was like what what would gourd sound like what do you call a pumpkin that's always on time? What? A punctual pumpkin. <laughs> mm, okay. okay. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> um, number three. How do pumpkins... <laughs> this is so bad. How do pumpkins listen to their music? How do they do it? With their gourd phones. <gasps> That doesn't even sound like headphones. No, no. Why did the pumpkin bring a ladder? Why? To go pumpkin picking. Uh, I'll give it a little credit there. Why did the pumpkin cross the road? Why? To prove it had guts. Uh, you're getting to me a little bit, pumpkin. What, what's a pumpkin's favorite sport? Uh, what? Squash. <laughs> ah. oh Another punch into that. Oh my god, he's killing. He's killing. Why don't pumpkins make good baseball players? Why is that, Scott? Because they always turn into smash hitters. Smashing pumpkins. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. What's your pumpkin? favorite band? What's a pumpkin's favorite movie? Uh, what? The Gordians of the Galaxy. The Gordians might get it. <laughs> ah, because it's a gourd. You know, that's what pumpkins are. <laughs> ooh, ooh, this guy's killing me. How do pumpkins like to communicate? Through their gourd phones? I don't know. By pumpkin up the volume. Uh, uh not bad, not bad. Why was the pumpkin blushing? Why? 
because it saw the salad dressing. What? Oh, it saw the salad. She was dressing. He started blushing. Uh, oh, God, man. But when he explained it, the joke is hilarious. Oh, God. <laughs> now, here's a bit, Mike, AI created. Where would you put AI hack-o'-lantern's jokes compared to the real hack-o'-lantern's jokes? Hey, you can't. You can't mess with the OG. You can't mess with the classics. Hackland was historically amazing. You know, we all miss him. And all. sadly, he got hit by a car. So Yeah, yeah. Eaten by a squirrel, I heard. Oh. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's such a legend. The stories just gather nonstop. So you're saying that you're not a fan of AI's pumpkin jokes? No, no. Artificial intelligence cannot take hack comedy away. I'm sorry. You can... You can take make Skynet and destroy the world, but when all the machines are around are like, hey, I want a funny night, you better have a couple of human comedians around just to entertain you. Okay, so AI is not quite there yet. Um all right, I'm gonna do um let's just try one more here. Try, all right. I asked, um at one point, Mike, you might remember, we said that we were going to watch all of the Leprechaun movies. Um, we said it. We said doing it. it was a different subject. Yes, yes. We never did it. Um, how many were there, Mike? I think Two. now there are ten. Oh, ten Leprechaun movies. If you I don't think know, when we started, it was seven. Hmm. Well, three have come out since we came out with that, huh? Um, so Leprechaun, pretty terrible horror franchise. Um. Uh, so I had asked AI to come up with a little comedic script about podcasters attempting to watch all of the Leprechaun movies. Mike, would you oh. like to would you like to hear the script that AI has generated? I would love to, Scotty. Okay, the setting: a cozy podcast recording studio with microphones, headphones, and a table stack stacked with snacks. Okay, the characters, believe it or not, Mike. The enthusiastic and somewhat naive host of the podcast. All right, dead on. Yeah. Got me there, AI. Yeah. Lisa, the skeptical and witty co-host. Oh, and my ex. Okay. The sound engineer, the person in charge of recording and sound effects. The episode begins with Mike and Lisa seated at the podcast table, each wearing headphones. Mike excitedly, welcome, folks, to another episode of Leprechaun Chronicles, the podcast. I'm Mike. Lisa, and I'm Lisa, his lovely co-host, who somehow got roped into watching every Leprechaun movie ever made. Mike, that's right. Today we're talking about Leprechaun 6, Back to the Hood. The Leprechauns got bling. Lisa rolling her eyes. Seriously, Mike, bling. Sound engineer gives a thumbs up, indicating they're recording. Mike, ignoring Lisa. So we start with a group of friends who find the Leprechaun's gold. It's all about that gold, right? Lisa deadpan, of course, it's always about the gold. They discuss the movie's absurd plot, iconic leprechaun one-liners, and gory scenes. Mike excitedly, and that leprechaun rap, I mean, a lyrical masterpiece. Lisa laughing, <laughs> sure, Mike, if you say so. As the episode progresses, they sample clips from movies, adding humor and commentary. Lisa mockingly, and there's the famous, I want me gold line. Mike imitating the leprechaun. I want me gold, you thieving little hoods. The audience cracks up. They discuss the evolution of the, the leprechaun over the films from horror to comedy. 
Lisa analyzing, it's like the leprechaun had an identity identity crisis, shifting from a creepy killer to a comedic prankster. Mike nodding, you're right. Leprechaun in space was the turning point. They proceed to list their top moments and favorite kills from the movies. Lisa laughing, the pogo stick death in Leprechaun 5 in the hood was both ridiculous and genius. Mike enthusiastic, and that's the magic of the Leprechaun movies. Lisa, they wrap up the episode. Mike closing, well, that's it for today's episode. Thanks for joining us on the Leprechaun Chronicles, the podcast. Lisa smirking, remember, you can find us all on major podcast platforms and YouTube. They remove their headphones, and the sound engineer gives a thumbs up. Sound engineer smiling. Great job, guys. That was hilarious. Mike grinning. Thanks. Who knew watching every Leprechaun movie could be this fun? Lisa, fun. That's one word for it. They laugh and begin planning their next episode. It almost sounds like an SNL bit, doesn't yeah. it? It, it yeah. sounds like it's so cringy that, like, through it, like the audience is just going to laugh their rear ends off over this. Sadly, very probably accurate of how it would have sounded if we listened to every <laughs> Leprechaun movie there yeah. ever was. That part when they're like, let's talk about our favorite kills and one-liners. I'm like, oh, yeah, we would have done that. We would have definitely, oh, easily. definitely done that. But uh, Mike, where would you rank? AI as far as creating content for the podcast. Is this the way we go moving forward? Uh, I give him high marks for the new vision of pumpkin spice, whatever. Okay. Uh, the pretty much the, the podcast I'd give it like a fairly accurate, but needs a little, no pun intended spice up, if you will, for uh, the comedy. Yeah, Everything yeah. else was uh, pretty much on the low level. No, I'm waving. <laughs> I will give the Freddie rap a little higher mark. And rhymes weren't there, but the performance by you got gave it. A Thank little, you. Thank I was trying to high. channel my inner DMX. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was hoping that would. Work. I mean, that's why you brought him back in the brackets. You knew one day you would have <laughs> to use him. One day. Well, um, I did have one more. Maybe we'll do it at the end. I did ask AI to write a script about people going into McCamey Manor, but um, maybe, we'll, maybe we'll talk about that one at the end. It's pretty terrible <laughs> also, just to let you know. So, Mike, what do uh, you got? What do you got? And, and we do have a Halloween guest, um, but we're deciding we're going to get through our Halloween fun here and then maybe put the guest at the end, okay? So yeah. he's, not, he's not pigeonholed between nonsense. Yeah, so uh, just uh, before I get into my item, I, I will say, as we brought up former guests, uh, Russ McCamey, he was episode 330, the 2020 Halloween Spectacular. 2020, during COVID. Uh, Butch Patrick, he was episode 348. It wasn't a Halloween episode, but it was a no. good interview. It was And we didn't bring it up, but episode 402 was Lyndon Porco, who played the Leprechaun in the latest film, The Leprechaun Returns. That's so. right. A lot of connections there. And look, AI brought them all together for us. All yeah. together. All right, Scott. So uh, since we're in the Halloween spirit, I came up with a small I'm in it. Game. I'm in it. I'm not letting it die yet. I'm yeah. going to let it die once we're done recording tonight. But. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's probably like other countries that do it in like November and June and stuff like that. So that's for those countries there. But uh, I came up with a little game here, Scott. Okay. So you know me being the 
horror enthusiasts, if you will. And I have seen quite a few slasher movies in my you time. You are the horror guy of the two of us, yes. All right. So what I, what little game I came up with here is I'm going to give you the horror icon, and I'm going to give you four items. Okay. Three of these items the killer used to kill ah. victims. Okay. The fourth one is something that killed the killer. Ooh. Your job is to figure out what killed some of our horror icons here. Now, can I ask a question? Did they sure. did the item that killed the killer put them away forever or just in a Just like movie? in the movie, they're dead. I know like oh, they came back in the sequel, gotcha. but okay. that's that's how they ended the movie. This on here. So oh, I like this. So I have to identify the one thing that killed them. Yes. Okay. I'm in. All right. Let me start off with, I have two different ones for Freddy Krueger. All right. You want me to do the rap again to get us in the mood or uh, maybe, we're okay. Maybe later, maybe in post-production, you can put it back in there. And also, gotcha, gotcha. all right, here are the four items in question, Scott, mm-hmm. a paper cutter, a waterbed, a motorcycle, or a marionette puppet. Three of them, Freddy used to kill a kid. One of them, somebody used to kill Freddy. Okay. Which one killed Freddy? I know, I you know, I've seen them, uh, probably seen a couple of them. I definitely haven't seen them all, but I saw a couple when I was a kid, and I remember the waterbed scene. So uh-huh. I know that is not one. That is not the one that killed him. Um, so the paper cutter, the marionette puppet. And a motorcycle. The motorcycle. Strangely, I, why do I feel like I remember a motorcycle doing something to Freddy? Paper cutter seems like something he would do. And a marionette seems a little creepy and dreamy. I'm going to go with the motorcycle as the thing that killed Freddy. Uh, Scott, the waterbed killed somebody in nightmare on elm street four good okay the marionette puppet freddy turned into a marionette puppet strung somebody up by their veins and made them walk off a building okay okay scott uh freddy turned himself into a motorcycle (laughs) and connected him to a kid's body and then Uh. had him run into a truck now, in the remake, the 2010 Nightmare on Elm Street, they brought Freddy out of the dream world. And when he was about to kill Nancy, they grabbed an old paper cutter, ripped the handle off, and slashed his throat. Wow. Damn, that was close. He turned it into a motorcycle? Yeah, basically the, motorcycle, the guy was... Like, look like him? Like, was it painted? Well, like what happened was the guy starts riding, and then, like, electronic parts go into his veins it was kind of a actually a cool kill and then like the uh kind of the body of it you saw like a like a mechanical face and that was freddie talking to him and just like just egging him on as they drove into a (laughs) moving semi truck damn it as usual oh for one yeah all right we have a second one for freddie krueger i mean hell he's Done about nine movies so far, so mm-hmm. why not? Uh, Scott's choices are jump rope, mirror, hearing aid, weight set. 
Please tell me they didn't kill off Freddy with a hearing aid. <laughs> you tell me, Scott. Oh, God. I mean, I could see him killing someone with a hearing aid by, like, raising the volume so high and blowing up their head or something like that. Um, I can't. I can't. I feel like people would be outraged if Freddie died by a hearing aid. So I'm going to eliminate that one. Okay. Jump rope. I feel like that's something you'd kill a kid with. Um, so I'm going to get rid of jump rope, I think. And what were the other two? Uh, weight set and mirror. I feel like in some way the mirror is going to come in and kill the killer. Cause it's going to be some kind of clever thing where they're reflecting something towards him and he's melting himself or something. Um, I have no idea, but I'm going mirror. Okay. Uh, Scott, as amazing as it sounds, you perfectly described the scene of the hearing aid. There was a deaf kid. <laughs> he lost his hearing aid. Freddie was behind him kind of <laughs> mocking him. He screamed, give me back my hearing aid. Came down, he put it in his ear, he turned into a Freddy ear, he got a chalkboard, started scraping it with his razor claw, and his head blew up. So that's that one. <laughs> that right. was from Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. Okay. Uh, let's see, what was left? Jump rope. Uh, funny story. Did you know Nightmare on Elm Street 2 is considered the gay Nightmare on Elm Street of curiosity? Oh, no, I had no idea. Yeah, uh, it wasn't. They didn't write it as a gay one, but the lead actor who was having the nightmares ended up being a gay person, and there was a ton of gay undertones nobody really saw until afterward. Okay. And one of the scenes in question is the gym teacher that was uh, like ruining his life was making him run laps after he went into a leather bar and found <laughs> the gym teacher. And basically, Freddie took control of the scene, uh, hung him up by jump ropes, started smacking him in his bare rear end with towels, and then Claw came in and killed him in the end. So jump ropes were used to kill the man. Okay. Tell me. I so we're down to your answer, which was mirror and weight set. Uh, in Nightmare on Elm Street 4, uh, one of the girls was a weightlifter, and Freddie, as she was weightlifting in her dreams, came in, Freddie pushed down the weight set, cracked her arms open. She also had a fear of cockroaches. In turn, she turned into a cockroach, and Freddie killed her in one of those roach motels. Now, in Nightmare on Elm Street 4 also, uh, the protagonist recalls that evil cannot see evil, so she grabbed a mirror, showed Freddie... He screamed, and all the souls inside of Freddy came out bursting and ripped Freddy Krueger open, killing him. Yes. So, Scott, Woo. mirrors kill nightmare people. Yeah, it'd be really funny if Freddy died by a hearing aid. It'd be like, oh, my <laughs> God, come on, man. <laughs> like, the final nightmare is known as one of the more dreaded ones, so it's wouldn't have been a surprise here. Okay. So, okay. All right. All right. Let's Back on the board, on. or on the board, I should say. Yeah. So we did Freddy. We might as well do his other famous slasher counterpart from the 80s. Let's do Jason Voorhees. All right. I have seen more Jason movies than I have Freddy movies. So Okay. You but have an I will here. say I will say they're getting vaguer 
vaguer. I don't know if that more vague. Vaguery. Yeah, yeah. Vague, vagueish um, <laughs> as the years are going on. Vagacle, if you yeah. will. Yes. All right. Your four items are spear gun, corkscrew, guitar, motorboat. Um, if my memory serves correctly, you he was killed with a motorboat. In uh, Friday the 13th, uh, 3D, the spear gun was used <laughs> to kill a girl so they could get that cool 3D effect as the arrow went to the person. Now, let me ask you, if you watch that now, is it in, like, do you have to wear 3D glasses? Like, if you, if no, you stream like, it? Like, if it's on regular TV, it's just like that. Mm-hmm. Um Obviously, you went into the theaters, you needed 3D glasses. Right. Uh, Crispin Glover was the person who got killed with the corkscrew. He screamed at one of his friends, where's the corkscrew? Jason came in, slammed a corkscrew in his hand, so he was immobilized, and then put a machete through his head. Yep, yep. So we're down to guitar and motorboat. And uh, Freddie, ta- or Jason takes Manhattan. Uh, one of the people on the yacht was a rocker. And Jason picked up their guitar and smashed her head in with it. But in number six, uh, Jason was facing a telekinetic uh, kinesis person. <laughs> yeah. So she was facing Jason with her mind and was like picking up flower pots with her brain and hitting him with it. Right. And the eventual way to finally take care of him is as they got him into camp the crystal lake uh they basically turn on a motor and chopped them up a little bit and then chained them to the bottom so let's go baby let's go let's go Woo! we lost the first home game but we won two in a row now the series is ours how many questions do i do i get uh we got seven here Okay, so game set. All right. Yeah, so we go. you either win or lose here. I got to get four. Yep, so uh, let's do another Jason for you, Scott. Okay. Your options are propane, liquid nitrogen, a horn, and deer antlers. Oh, God. Mm, none of these are ringing a None of these are ringing a bell. I do recall something with the motorboat. This one, I'm not recalling anything. These are some later movies of his, so... <laughs> I was hoping you were gonna bring up sleeping bag. That's one I remember where he slammed the someone with a sleeping bag in a sleeping bag and said, mm-hmm. All right, give it to me again. I gotta really focus here. Propane, mm-hmm. liquid nitrogen, mm-hmm. horn, deer antlers. Liquid nitrogen seems stupid enough that they would put it and be like, Oh, they froze him and someone's gonna kick his head off or something like that. Or propane, I could see they burn them, you know, throw propane into like a burning cabin or something like that. So that's the ones I'm torn between. I want to say in like one of those weird, dumb space ones, they froze him and kicked his head off. I'm going to go with liquid, liquid nitrogen. Okay. And Friday the 13th, seven, uh, somebody poked their head out of the car. Jason took a party horn and shoved it down their throat. Hey, in the remake, uh, as they were fighting him in their bathroom, Jason picked him up and shoved him on deer antlers. Okay. Come on, baby. 
So now we're talking the last two, propane, which was used in Freddy versus Jason, mm-hmm. and liquid nitrogen, which was in Jason X, as you were thinking, the Jason in space. Yeah. So the scientist that woke up Jason was attacked. Her face was put into liquid nitrogen, and then Jason smashed her head. Damn it, I remember head smashing, shelf. but couldn't remember if it was his or hers. The propane was used. <laughs> to kind of set the dock on fire when Freddy was facing Jason in the real world. There was an explosion. Jason blew off the deck. He did come up to kill Freddy, but he went back down to, quote, unquote, die. So propane was the correct answer. I knew it was one of those two. Damn it. Mm. I remember I remember some kind of dumb freezing head smashing scene, but I couldn't remember whose head it was. Yeah. Damn one it. of the better d- kills, I might say. All right, Scott. Uh, AI brought up this next one. We're doing the Leprechaun right now. AI is helping us today for production. Yeah. So here are your choices. Pogo stick, (laughs) solar panel, cement, coffee maker. See, this is where the problem is. The Leprechaun could be literally... All of those. Mm-hmm. So this is where the and he went into space, but none of them are one of the answers. Honestly, yeah. I know. Um, and I have seen about five minutes of the leopard. I think I see the first one. <laughs> we oh, did God. fifteen minutes when we were attempting to record. <laughs> yeah. <that podcast>. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm just gonna go for the stupidest one: the coffee maker. Okay. Uh, AI kind of brought it up, almost spoiled that answer. In the original, the leprechaun got onto the pogoset, started jumping on somebody's chest, and killed them. I, I was picturing that, actually, in my yep. head. Yep. In the remake with Lyndon Porco, as we brought up before, he did a little magic. Uh, the kids redid the cabin. that had solar panels on the top. He basically... Snapped his fingers when the solar panels came down and split the person in half. Okay. Come on, God. Come on. In Leprechaun 2, a feisty barista was mocking the Leprechaun, which pissed off the Leprechaun. And the end result was he took his magic powers, forced his face into the steamer of the coffee maker, and burnt his face off. I'm afraid... You forgot about Leprechaun in the Hood 2. No, I didn't where... forget about Leprechaun in the Hood 2. No, that's not... <laughs> We've been over this before. You forgot Leprechaun in the Hood 2. And that's where they pushed him into a big open container of wet cement where he got hardened and he became a statue at the end of the movie. All right. 2-2. Two, two. Is it 2? No. Or is it 2-3? It's two three right now. Ah. So all right. We got two more for you. Next one, another legend of slashers is Leatherface. Now, this answer is very special because this is the only confirmed kill of Leatherface in all his movies. Really? He has survived. Except for this one. Which one of these was used? To kill him. Again, I have seen the original, mm-hmm. and I remember finding it not that, like, scary, kind of, I don't yeah. know, a little, a little bit of a sloppy movie. I don't know. Like, I'm in the same boat as you. Like, I yeah. told somebody, like, I rented it, and I'm like, hey, I wasn't scared, and they're, they're like, blasphemy. And I'm like, I, 
I mean, he was 74, so that yeah. So they went more more subtle. Yeah, and I probably watched it in like 97, 98 or something like that. So all right. Your choices are meat grinder, pigs, a car crash, or a hand grenade. Okay. The fact that you're telling me he never died. Except for one movie. Meat grinder seems totally him. Pigs, I think I remember. I think it sounds so dumb that a hand grenade would be something in like the modern ones where they remake where someone fucking found a hand grenade and I'm going hand grenade. It seems so, I don't know. I I have a hard time seeing Leatherface who has a dumb leather face and a chainsaw in his hand being like operating a hand grenade. It's amazing how Leatherface is the guy with a leather face. Yes. That was yeah, it's of you. All right, that's uh, that's where I need AI to help me out. Yeah, all right. So, uh, the meat grinder was used in Texas Chainsaw 3D to finish off one of the victims. Now there's a 3D of in every. Oh yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Yep. In the straight named Leatherface, he killed off a person and fed them to pigs. There was a movie just called Leatherface. There was a movie just called Leatherface. Mm. In the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the beginning, one of the final people was killed off by a car crash. But the one time he was killed was Dennis Hopper was chasing the Sawyer family into an amusement park. And as after he uh, was wounded and was killing, he said, I'm going to take care of the family. He took out a hand grenade, pulled the pen Leatherface was in the cave. Nobody saw him come out. So it is documented that Leatherface died by hand grenade in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Big win to take it back to game seven, baby. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That, I love that as Dennis Hopper, too. That just makes it even Oh, better. yeah. If you didn't see, like, he, they made it almost like they're like the original, like, dark comedy funny yeah. <laughs> Our movie, like, I highly recommend that one. He's just nuts in that one. All right, Scott. So we've been through the popular ones. We've been through the funny one. We went over Leatherface's only death. Um, I stayed away from Halloween and, and Scream and all that, mainly because they're all stab wounds. They didn't really diversify their weapons. So I had to get a little obscure for this one. Mm -hmm. I'm going with the 70s, 80s slasher movie, Prom Night. And this is, and I'm, my biggest memories are on part two and three, where they had it based on Mary Lou Maloney, the prom queen, dying, coming back as a spirit and murdering the people of the school. Oh, yeah, those are, those are my exact memories, too. Yeah, I Uh, figured as much. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, here are your four choices to win this game, Scott. Did Mary Lou Maloney die from a neon light? I don't even know who Mary Lou Maloney is. She sounds. Like I, I just sweet... explained it to you. She sounds like a sweet girl. <laughs> <laughs> no, she was a murderer. I keep explaining. <laughs> a neon light. Yeah. A stink bomb. Ice cream cones or a jukebox. You cannot kill the killer with 
freaking ice cream cones, please. Like I could see her. <laughs> you can't kill the franchise with someone dying by ice cream cones. <laughs> uh, I'm going to eliminate ice cream cones. Okay. Something about prom night and jukebox. <sighs> Where are my other options? Give me the other two. Jukebox. Neon light, stink bomb, ice cream cones, jukebox. If it's stink bomb or ice cream cones, I'm going to be so pissed and definitely never watch this movie. Okay. I'm, I got to go jukebox. Maybe it's like a throwback to prom night with the jukebox and it's a way to finally end it. I don't know. Give me jukebox. Put jukebox okay. on the board. Okay. So ice cream cones, uh, she manifested in a in a classroom and the teacher was telling her, I don't know what you're doing here. And it, it was like a malt shop. And she basically <laughs> took ice cream cones, slammed it into his hands to decapitate him before murdering him. So that's how ice cream cones went. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, neon light. She um, basically grabbed one and uh, murdered somebody, electrocuting them, shoving it into their body. Yeah, you know, straight death, normal. Okay. Please, God, come on. I know there's a jukebox killing. It's going to be in that movie. <laughs> Was it her or did she do it? Uh, basically, somebody walked into a room because they heard a jukebox playing. As they went to investigate it and touch it, they got electrocuted by the jukebox. See, Mary Lou Maloney, the reason why she comes back as a spirit is because on prom night, uh, they were pranking her. They threw stink bombs at her, which were flammable, which in turn, she got burnt up by stink bombs, Scott. Screw Mary Lou Maloney and screw her stink bombs and screw that whole franchise because I'm never watching it. It sounds like the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life, and I'm so pissed I just lost on stink bombs. <laughs> God damn it. I got to well, be like one. I got to be like two and 15 in these games. Hey, like there was that AI game you'd won like four <laughs> months back or so. There was one game I got like them all right. And I was yeah, like, wow, that was the AI game. Yeah. Ah, oh, god damn it! Oh well, you're well, so close. I'm calling you close. Arizona Diamondbacks. I made it a series, you know. Mm-hmm. That's what they can tell you. And uh, what are you gonna do? All right, Mike. We are nearing the end of our Halloween extravaganza here. I think I name it something different every year. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we also have a pretty cool Halloween guest at the end of this episode in just a few minutes. But, um, Mike. Do you have like um like somebody in your life that you absolutely have disdain for or that crossed you along the way that you would not be you would not blink an eye if they were not on this earth anymore? I'd probably say though I've calmed down, there's certain people I've talked about on the show that mm-hmm. at least at one point has put me on that mark. Maybe right. not necessarily now, but yeah, some people have hit that mark. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can think of like one person in my life. Um, one or two people that I, I, I get that to that point where I'm like, I don't, I wouldn't really care what happened to you. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you're no service to society. So um, we have talked about this before, maybe on a Halloween episode, but I always find interesting things about, uh, like medieval torture, Michael, Ooh. the way that, you know, in the dark ages and 
um, in certain wars and, and and different things, the way they tortured people. Um, so, Mike, what I, I want to read you a couple of these torture devices or torture techniques. Now, maybe we've talked mm-hmm. about some, maybe we have, but here's what you have to do. You have to pick one for your, your arch nemesis. Okay. But you have to pick one for yourself. So if you, if you knew you were both going out, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, say you had to kill each other, you know, but you yeah. had to, so, so in some sick medieval movie, like, yeah, you get, or saw or something, you get to pick your enemy's torture, but you also get to pick your own. Either way, you're dead. You're done. Yeah. You're dying. Okay. So here I have nine pretty crazy torture things. Um, some you may have heard of, some you may have not. Um, so here we go. Okay. The first is the Chinese bamboo torture. Now okay. you may have heard of like bamboo shoots under people's fingernails, stuff like that, like very painful, mm-hmm. but this is not that. Okay. Okay. Um, the Chinese bamboo torture took advantage of bamboo's propensity to grow quickly. How quickly? Well, sometimes that plant can throw grow three feet in a day. Okay. Mm. In addition to ancient China, many believe that the Japanese Japanese used Chinese bamboo torture on POWs during World War II. Now, keep in mind, in history, World War II might seem far away. That's not that long ago. No. Okay? In a blink of an eye, you know that, that's your grandfather's. You know, during yeah. this time, okay? So two generations ago. So this is how it worked. Tips of living bamboo were cut sharp to create a spear, okay? The All victim right. was suspended horizontally above a patch of bamboo. The bamboo pierced through the victim's skin and continued to grow through his abdomen, ultimately Oof. causing one of the most painful deaths ever inflicted. Oof. Now, yeah. Side note, the Mythbusters prove that bamboo torture is possible. Uh, I mean, it makes... It goes right through you. It makes sense. And, like, the weird thing is, is, like, naturally you would, like, as it's happening, you want to move around, but probably your only way of surviving is to stay perfectly still where you pray somebody finds you that can cut cut the bamboo and it be in the right spot and not hit a, a key point, but that... That cannot be a fun night. No, no, not at all. So that's number one. Okay. That's why nobody goes to my parties. I suggest that. Like, Guys, you no. want to hang out by the bamboo? <laughs> <laughs> all right. The, you may have heard of the Iron Maiden uh, band I got to see a couple years ago and it's one of the coolest experiences. And I'm not even the biggest Iron Maiden fan. Great show. But that unfortunately doesn't have a, that's uh, not named after something good. Yeah. The Iron Maiden. Is sometimes thought to be fictional, but this torture technique using an upright sarcophagus, okay, so your body is in, um, you know, contained with spikes on the inner surfaces, definitely existed. Invented in 18th century, this is a device that the metal band Iron Maiden took their name from. How it worked. The victim was forced into the spiked sarcophagus and shut in. The short spikes welded into the chamber weren't long enough to kill anyone, but did plenty of damage and inflicted enough pain that the interrogator on the outside was usually able to get a confession. So basically, like, if you moved, you know, if you, you know, it's mm. pressing on you. If not, nails and other sharp objects like knives were inserted into the chamber, inflicting more pain. 
generally between the spikes and the knives, victims would bleed to death after said confession, confession or sometimes before. Some Iron Maidens also had spikes in place to puncture the eyes. Eye stuff, that's always like a no-no for me. Uh, yeah, and I feel that's torturous, and then you add to the anxiety where, like, you're technically in there not touching, but the second you move a millimeter, you, you're just torturing yourself on basically on your own. Exactly. So you, you basically have to lay still, and you pretty much know death is coming anyway. So, mm. Uh, mm. now this is one I never heard of before. Uh, we've done a couple like bits with torture and, and old torture devices, but I've never heard of this one before. This one is called scaphism, aka the boats. The word scaphism comes from the Greek word scaph, meaning scooped or hollowed. An ancient Persian method of torture where the victim was eaten alive by bugs. Scaphism was also known as the boats for reasons you'll understand momentarily. Okay. A captive was stripped naked and chained to a pair of back-to-back narrow rowboats or hollowed-out tree trunk. So you were in between like two boats, like almost like making a keg around you. Gotcha. Then... The captive was then left to float on a stagnant pond. Okay, this is where it gets insane. Okay. He was then force-fed copious amounts of milk and honey. Okay. The victim would then then develop serious diarrhea, which would in turn attract insects. The insects would then feed on the victim's exposed flesh. So you're in a you're trapped with your arms and legs just hanging and your head hanging out of this boat thing just on a, yeah. like a stagnant pond and then you're fed milk and honey and then between the sun and just being there and the insects and then you're just being fed something that would give you diarrhea and things are just eating you like this sounds like somebody they were at a bar and they got drunk and it's like yeah, the king says we gotta come up with this new torture device and like they after like six beers of and like as they were creating the story, it's still like it's like oh we're gonna have the bugs eat them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, what when the bugs coming? How they gonna go? I got you. Here we are. Here we are. We're gonna give the dude like milk and honey. Yeah, lots what? of it. Lots uh, of it. You idiot! Why does he likes it? No, no, no. Hear me out. Hear me out. We're just gonna <laughs> force feed him. And force him, and force him, and he's gonna get diarrhea. That's what's gonna put out there. Yeah, it's like brutal. nobody could have figured that out. Like the Iron Man, you're like, yeah, clothes, clothes with spikes. All right, I can figure that out in a day. That one, that was yeah. like a whole story right there. Yeah, this one's so methodical. It's it and so dark. You know, like it's crazy, crazy. All right, that brings us to the choke pair. The choke pair. The choke pair was popular during the Middle Ages. Crimes worthy of choke pair torture included blasphemy, lying, having a miscarriage. Wow. Let let, let me say that again. Having a miscarriage as if it's the woman's fault. Uh, Uh, I think that's some political views, but continue. Yeah. And homosexual intercourse. Depending on the crime, the torturer would insert the pair into a different part of the criminal's body. Women usually got in the vagina, homosexuals in the anus, and liars and blasphemers in the mouth. How it worked. 
An instrument consistent of sharpened leaf-like segments was inserted into the victim's orifice. The torturer turned a screw at the top, causing the leaves to open slowly. As the leaves separated, several internal mutil- uh, severe m- internal mutilation occurred. Mm. Dang. Yeah. That's hardcore. Yeah. Yeah. So you're either drinking milk and honey, getting eaten by bugs, or you got a, a, a pear that opens up and rips your butthole apart. Uh, I'm sure the fifth one will be fine. Yeah, yeah. On. <laughs> <laughs> this one's called the Brazen Bull. The Brazen Bull. Designed I think I know ancient, this one. I think this, this was in Saul. Designed in ancient Greece, the brazen bull was a uh, was a hollowed brass bull statue designed and invented by Perios of Athens, commissioned, if you will, by Phalaris, the tyrant of uh, whatever. How it worked. Victims were locked in the hollowed brass bull. A fire was lit under the bull. The victim was roasted alive. The design of the bull's head was such that the victim's screams were made to sound like the bull roaring. The scorched remains were often made into bracelets and sold at a market, Mike. So if you want a little victim bracelet, you know, you, you get yeah. your yeah. souvenir, like, you know, leaving the football game. You know, that's, that's nice. You know, I got a bracelet. Look at that. Yeah. Yeah. So you're just getting burned alive inside like a basically a big pot, mm. essentially. But the bull roars. I guess that's kind of cool. I mean, that's kind of cool. <laughs> I mean that that was the original thing for the Chicago Bulls how they would come out, you know. You didn't know that? <laughs> they put one player. Michael Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> they they put the thirteenth man that didn't make the team in there. Yeah, yeah, game. the fat white guy who was yeah. like the third center went in there. Yeah. All right, um, you've heard of this one, but maybe you didn't know how to work rat torture. We know about rats. Mm. Um. Uh, this was from developed by Diedrich Sonoy, a leader of the Dutch uh, revolt of the 16th century. A prisoner was chained down naked on a table. Large, heavy bowls with disease-infected rats were placed open side down on the prisoner. Hot charcoal was piled on top of the bowls, agitating the rats. In attempt to escape from the hot bowls, the rats would gnaw their way through the victim's flesh. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's light. It's nice and light. Yeah. I mean, you you get to have fun with an animal at least. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, are you hungry? Funny. You hungry? <laughs> yeah, come in my body. It's less co- hot in there. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good boy. <laughs> All right, Judas Cradle. Huh? The Spanish Inquisition was known for torture devices. Um, also known as the Judas chair, victims usually died of infection as the seat was never cleaned between uses. How it worked? The victim was placed on top of a pyramid-shaped seat with both legs tied together. The, the chair's point was usually inserted in the anus or the vagina, stretching the orifice. The victim was slowly lowered via ropes. The torture lasted a few hours, sometimes a few days. So just basically ripping your butthole apart slowly. Uh, I mean, do you almost feel good for the person who survived longer or bad? It's almost like, oh, you're doing great. You're not getting torn apart yet. No, you you just want to die. Like, you want to die quick. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah you, if you're in the chair, I mean, that's different. But, like, if you're on the outside, it's like, you're doing great. Keep it up, buddy. 
isn't it just amazing? Like people used to go like watch this stuff for fun. Like, oh, let's you know, when you ca- instead of catching a movie, you'd be like, you want to go catch the, uh, the torturing know, Judas, Judas Cradle at seven, uh, Brazen Bull <laughs> at eight, or Rat Torture. What are you into tonight? You know, ah, uh, you know, I mean, maybe we'll play by ear tonight. We'll see. Yeah. Now the other ones were really. Um, this will be the last one too. The other ones are really uh, methodical. This one seems a little bit more just blunt. Um, it's crushing by elephant. Mm. For thousands of years, crushing by elephant was commonly practiced form of torture in Southeast Asia and India. Given the animal's sheer weight, intelligence, and and ability to be trained, elephants were an obvious choice. Now, what they did, the victims were tied down on the floor. Elephants were led into the room to stomp on the victim's head. Now, Mike, you might say that would be the choice, but what you don't know is often before the elephants would stomp on your head, they would chain you to the floor and dismember the victims. Mm. So you're not just getting off with a nice, a nice swift elephant stomp to the head and it's over. Before that, they're like bravehearting you and taking out, you know, your organs or your fingers or your, your toes. And then the elephant comes for the knockout punch. Yeah. And the elephant's probably slow. You know, <laughs> you, you're like on there, come on, get over here, stomp my head. So, Mike, this is where I propose the question to you. You got to go one way. Your enemy has to go another. Okay. I think I know what I would put myself into. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm going to, I'm going to select the Iron Maiden. Okay. The reason I am selecting that is kind of what we talked about before, like your movement decides how torturous it is. I feel that's something where I can just like slam my head back, make it quick. It's over. Ah. Life is over. Get it. You have a little control. Yeah. A good thought. Yeah. It's just quick enough where it's like, if I don't want to deal with it, I'm ending it right then and there. It'd be cool if you got to at least listen to Iron Maiden too while you were. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, that'd be nice of them. Hands out, you know? <laughs> oh! <laughs> All These right. seats suck. What's your arch nemesis going into? <sighs> I'm between two right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm between the bull and the uh, boat thing. <sighs> um, like burning burning a lot like in these horror movies like anything where they put somebody like in an oven or something like that like super freaks me out like the new that thanksgiving movie that shows in the trailer that like the girls tied up in an oven or cooking her alive something like that like uber freaks me out mm-hmm. where i would kind of lean towards it but i feel there's more torture with the boats and having to deal with the waiting of it's so dark. <laughs> yeah. With the, the bugs and all yeah. that. I mean, even like thinking of the rat, I think the rat thing is going to end fairly faster than the bugs eating your body. And, and even I thought like the bamboo, like maybe once it punctures you, death might be kind of quick. Like, yeah, it'll grow yeah. through your body, but you'll just bleed out. I would think from like a internal I'm, wound. And kind of like what I was talking about before, I guess if like, if you know, it's over, you can shake around. I'm sure it's going to 
like do something in the body, like pierce something or make bleed out or something yeah, like yeah, that, yeah. where it can make it quick. So I think I could go with the boats for my mortal enemy. All right. I, I I kind of agree with you. As I read through this list, um, you know, before the cast, I was like, this is the most, this might be the sadistic one for sure. The, no. the, the cradle one up the butthole and then pulling you down uh, uh, on the pyramid shaped thing is pretty brutal too. Mm. Um, <laughs> but I, I think the boats one so long. I bet you would t- that would take a very like days and days and days to die. I mean, just like off the bat, just like the honey and milk thing, like no. you're the probably your stomach is like pushed out to no man's land to start this process, and like that's gotta be terrible. And you can't vomit because that's probably gonna bring the bugs and all that just as quickly. Yeah, yeah. So I I, I think I agree with you. Um, as far as I think I would take the the head crushed by the elephant. Um, oh, I don't know. Really? Yeah, just like the disemboweling before it. I that yeah. that, that would be the, if it was just the head stomp. Like I, I I'd be on the fence, but I'd probably still go with Iron Man because you're literally waiting for the elephant to come. They, it's probably it don't. It's not like a ninja just jumps out and hits your head. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I get to see an elephant. That's kind of cool. Ah. <laughs> put on my instagram before i die <laughs> living life in india well guys this brings us to the end of our um halloween spectacular but not quite the end because we do have a guest before we go um who is also related to what i would say is the original horror movie in some ways uh mike who we got uh, you know what, Scott, uh, for tonight, tonight's episode, we are turning it back, as you said, to one of the greatest horror throw movies of all time, Jaws. Tonight, we are talking with David Bigelow, who is currently working on the documentary film Making the Monster. Now, the film is dedicated to preserving the historical stories from the 1974 production of the cinema classic Jaws, from the words of all the locals at Martha's Vineyard and everything that went into it. So the film is scheduled to come out in 2025, but luckily we just got him right before the release, Scott. So let's get David Bigelow on the line. Let's do it. Hey, David. Hey, Michael. How are you? We're doing all right. And all. Hey, I'm... how are you? Good. Here, let me. Uh, sc- oh, I can see both of you now. Oh, okay. Yeah, which, I, I which, can see. Which you one's off better looking? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who's better the looking? One with the hat. Yes. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I'll count a tie. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hey. Sorry about my, my uh, I'm in my car. I, uh, I got stuck at work, work. I'm uh, working on a PBS show right now. And uh, I was able to get out in time, but not to get home. So I'm, uh, you're getting me in my car at this point. Sorry. Hey, we'll make it work. We'll, we'll make let it, work. it. We'll let it go, Dave. We'll let it go. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Dave, I, I gotta. Uh, I guess the only way to start off is by asking you, considering what next week is, is everybody in your work just like poking you, like, "Hey, Dave, you know what's coming up? You know what's happening next week? You know that thing where that that one mammal gets a whole week?" <laughs> um, yeah, it's funny. I think people they don't they don't start 
uh, uh, hitting me up on Shark Week. They hit me up on the anniversary of Jaws's release in June um, because they know that's what I'm kind of oriented around in terms of telling our story. But Shark Week is it's a weird like side evolution of what Jaws created um, because uh, there's stuff that's coming out now that is very shark related in programming. But it's not Jaws related, but Jaws obviously inspired the shark fascination. Mm. And uh, HBO is a new series coming, a new show coming out about the Cape Cod shark problem that we have. Mm. Um, And I'm going to Martha's Vineyard uh, on Sunday for a week and I'll be staying near South Beach. And I never had this problem growing up on the vineyard. But now if I see seals in the water, I'm not going to be in that water anymore. It's that there's that many sharks in this area now. It's crazy. Now, now tell us about your your background a little bit. Where, how how did you start getting into this? Were you a a guy who was interested in sharks or um, interested in like production? What was your background as far as like getting into this whole business you're in? Does it does this help to have the light or is this distracting? I can turn it off, but we're good. We're doesn't good. matter. You good? Yeah. Okay. Um. So uh. So I began my story begins when I was five years old living on Martha's Vineyard and I had lived there I had moved there a year before with my my family um, it, Martha's Vineyard back at this time mind you was a, a really not a, a known location um, there was maybe I think 7,000 people living there annually year-round uh, there's like 35,000 living there year-round now mm-hmm. um, and in the summer it gets to 150,000 so my exposure was I was growing up on the vineyard, uh, a new kid. I, I was born in New York City in, in the in Brooklyn and moved to Martha's Vineyard with my dad, who was an electrician, um, and my mom and my, my sister. And I went to Oak Bluffs Elementary School for kindergarten, and Lee Fierro, who played Mrs. Kintner in Jaws, was the drama teacher at that school. And... I loved Lee. She was an awesome person. She was really warm. And my family was, you know, uh, we were new to the island. We were, my parents weren't always getting along. So she was a really, really cool figure in my life. But she told us that she got cast in Jaws, which was shooting on the island and everybody knew about uh, because it was advertised in the paper and there was a lot of talk in general. Um, and she, uh, we, uh, we would basically learn a drama class was sitting in a circle on the gymnasium floor of the Oak Bluffs Elementary School. And Lee would set us in a circle that we would sit in and she'd do acting exercises with, you know, kindergartners, which was unusual. But Lee created that program for the, for the Martha's Vineyard, you know, schools. And uh, and so I, I learned about uh, the fact that she was cast in the movie from her there she told us and she said there were some kids who needed to be brought down to jaws bridge to shoot a scene they needed more kids for the beach and i ended up going down to that beach and being an extra in jaws during uh you know early part of the season still pretty cold um but uh i uh, yeah so i got involved as a as just a kid who went to happened to be uh, a cast member's student uh, and was caught up in the world of Jaws only a year after I moved to the island and uh, and, and, and and really loved that experience because it began my love affair with movies. Jaws came out, then Star Wars came out, then Raiders came out. So it was a whole period of, of cinema discovery for me back then. 
when the movie came out, was it instantly like, oh my God, here's a thing? Or did it have to be like a cult classic and start over? How did you know it was like, wow, Jaws is Jaws? Well, we saw there was a screening on at, at the Martha's Vineyard Island Cinema in Oak Bluffs uh, when they premiered it June 20th, 1975. And that screening showed you know mind you remember the internet wasn't around so people weren't watching early footage of the film the vineyarders who worked on jaws none of us none of us involved with the movie or watching the movie be filmed there had ever seen any of the footage so we didn't know if they had anything worthwhile we just knew about all the problems so when jaws debuted on the vineyard and that screening happened some people laughed because the ocean kept changing its appearance from shot to shot, you know, it's not consistent. The continuity is all over the place for the ocean. I, um, but nobody notices because they're so into the story. But Jaws, right from that screening, and then obviously that summer of 75, it blew up. Like, this was not a cult film. This was a film that within two months of release was juggernauting its way to records across the planet. Right. And uh, it's pretty impressive to see, I mean, you know, yeah, we have very successful films today, but the, the energy, the cultural energy that Jaws picked up was unprecedented and in many ways was hard to duplicate after it happened. Yeah, I, I feel like they're uh, still duplicating. I still see um, like them playing Jaws on like a river or like a lazy tube ride where you could watch Jaws. It's still amazing all these years later that that film has so much impact on society like um like i said you still you still see the impact do you do you still like like we're reaching out to you because you're doing a bunch of cool things but do you still are you still amazed by the impact of jaws i you know it's funny i was going to go to a screening in newport rhode island coming up next friday with my daughter um and I, my my daughter my kids have jaws fatigue because of what their father <laughs> is doing for for his his professional and avocation um but uh they support me but uh watching the film over and over to me gets to be a little bit hard to appreciate it it's almost like committing it to a mantra if you watch it too much um to me right. what i found really has been fantastic is getting to know the story about the making of jaws and the vineyarders collaborating with a Hollywood studio to make what you don't see happen in films anymore. They don't rely upon a local population that knows the island and knows the community. Uh, they, they work with consultants and writers, and they do it the way that a corporation does it these days. So Jaws is really incredible to me because I feel like it as a cultural uh, milestone is a great piece of art but also the story about the making of it is a great American story. And that to me is what's become really fascinating. Uh, when we, I first contacted you, uh, this is a little background to the great due diligence that I do for this show. Uh, you were on a one project in 2020 uh, for the Orca. And the funny thing was, is I was going through my emails a couple of weeks back. That's why I'm like, Oh yeah, I never got back to you on that right there. So, um, you know, good for me. But uh, out of curiosity, uh, tell us about that your original idea and what how that fell through. 
Well, it's, uh, uh, to, to set the record straight, the, the original idea has always been making the monster, the documentary story about the making of Jaws from the point of view of Martha's Vineyard people. Uh, however, the, the Orca project came about because, you know, I am in the Northeast. I'm located in Boston, Mass. Uh, I'm only an hour and a half drive to Woods Hole for a 45-minute ride to, to Amity. Um, and uh, I was developing this show knowing that we would eventually need an orca to be filmed upon to retell the story of the making of Jaws. So uh, I found a boat and I acquired it and we tried to develop during the height of the pandemic, you know, 2020, the summer of 2020, you know, we only started in March and we had a good 18 months left of the, the worst of it. Um, and we tried to raise funds to restore a boat that I purchased in the North shore of Massachusetts, similar to what Joe Alves did. He bought the Warlock in Marshfield, uh, uh, sorry, uh, Manchester, uh, uh, by the sea, that area. Uh, and purchased the Warlock that convert, got converted to the Orca. Um, it just was the wrong time to try and raise money for a project like that. Um, the boat probably needed $150,000 worth of work to be converted from the seaworthy craft it was into Orca. And um, we just were unsuccessful to raise the money through a crowdfunding campaign, which was a good lesson for me about what works and what doesn't work and timing uh, being important. Um, but uh, yeah, we still, for making the monster, we're still planning on having an orca, um, but we're going to be raising the funds through more traditional back-end financing rather than crowdfunding, as we had attempted with that campaign. So give us a little insight into th that project and exactly why, like people who, who who don't know what we're talking about, what what is the project that you are trying to launch? So the, the project Making the Monster is going to be a multi-part series uh, that, that is an episodic, uh, chronologically told story of the making of Jaws. Mm -hmm. It also involves um, my upbringing as a young boy on Martha's Vineyard, just growing up on the vineyard in, in a time where it was a really interesting, exciting time. You know, the vineyard in the 1970s was kind of the Wild West of New England. It's not part of the mainland. Um and we got away with a lot of stuff that people don't get away with in like, you know, places where everybody's paying attention. I was going to um, say, I've seen, a lot of, I've, I've seen a lot of drug shows <laughs> taking place in the vineyard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, listen, we were, there was three kinds of people on Martha's Vineyard in the 1970s that I can sort of say as a general idea. Fishermen, okay, artists mm -hmm. and hippies. And artists and hippies have a crossover, obviously, but... You know, hippies who were just counterculture, just dropping out. The Vietnam War was ending, or we were definitely sick of it by the time the vineyard started to get its exodus. You know, when people talk about going off the grid today, back then it was, I'm going to the vineyard or places like the vineyard. You know, you were off the grid. You were not part of a, you know, if you had a problem with local matters and the police were involved and your family was well-to-do enough and they gave to the Policemen's Association, you weren't going to see a jail cell. Like, and that would be not as easy to do in a major metropolitan area, right? Mm -hmm. So um, the vineyard was, uh, for me as a five-year-old, I was hitchhiking with strangers to go to beaches wow. at five, getting in cars with, I mean, what mother would be allowed to do that without being skewered on the internet today, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so <laughs> um, so uh, it was a really... A, a wonderful time. It was musically an incredible period of music and culture. 
And, you know, movies were not really, they weren't, you know, Jaws was the beginning of a love affair with American cinema that came with the auteur movement of Lucas, Spielberg, Scorsese, De Palma, all those guys. Um, and, uh, and, and got out of doing the disaster movie and the musical and the, like the templated entertainment, everybody was getting spoon fed on a regular basis. Um, so, uh, it was a really wonderful time, but the vineyard, yeah, it was, I really want to capture making the monster is going to capture a period of the vineyard, which is unspoiled and raw and not the place that everybody knows to be a millionaire's paradise now, because it Mm. has become a resort community that jaws began the fascination with. And then the presidents after jaws, Clinton started going to the vineyard and it was in the news. And then Obama went to the vineyard and it was in the news. And, and now everybody knows about Martha's vineyard. Bravo has reality shows of, you know, art couples arguing on beach houses on the vineyard. It's like, it's pop culture now. But back then, the only thing the vineyard was known for when I was a kid before jaws was the Kennedy bridge incident the Dyke Bridge incident when Ted Kennedy drove his car off the bridge and that woman, mm. Mary Jo Kopechny, died. Um, so it was it was still off the radar. It was very much not to be known by popular culture. Now the vineyard is like saying the Hamptons or, you know, uh, Palm Beach or any of those places. It's just it comes off the, the tongue that easily, you know? Yeah. So I, I looked at your LinkedIn and you have done some incredible work. You worked on Nova. You worked on Frontline. You worked with Ken Burns on a documentary. For what I see, you do a lot of uh, editing work and colorists. What's it like doing like the nine to five job and then trying to tackle something, doing a whole pro- production of this mo- of this documentary? Well, I'm I'm in my mid fifties and and have grown children. And I'll tell you, I would not want to hold down a day job for PBS and try to make a documentary on the side with six-year-olds running around my feet most of the time. Don't um, recommend so it? I'm okay. The, I, I don't recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you want to, like, you know, get a, you know, like a, a, a heart attack or any stress-related conditions or anything right. like that. Um, so it's, it's, it's a, it, it, I do have a challenging uh, schedule to manage, but my children are grown. And so I have the freedom uh, to be able to make that work. Um, And I also needed to, uh, you know, the experience that I've had, I've been with PBS, uh, with WGBH making programming for PBS for almost 10 years now. And they, they, they train you like a, you know, um, they train you to be efficient and really good. Uh, And so I feel very prepared in my other projects, like making the monster uh, to bring those skills to bear. Uh, with what it takes to get, you know, broadcast television, Emmy award-winning broadcast television produced. Um, so I'm grateful for that. But yeah, I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm working on, I'm doing a two-hour American experience right now about segregation in the South during the day. And I'll be leaving for Martha's Vineyard Sunday and I'll be shooting interviews on the Vineyard midweek. Um, so it's, it's, it's time management <laughs> and just, it, you know, you got to sleep when you got to sleep, you got to eat when you got to eat and you got to get a little exercise and yeah. then it's just heads down and keep, keep moving forward. And, and then you got to do interviews in the car. Like that, that's how and busy I got to do interviews in the car. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this, this, this is living the dream guys. I guess this is it. This is it. <laughs> so, so let me ask you. 
what's your what's your creative process like do you, are you just interested in one thing or do you have your hands in like five different things and see what takes like what what's your process as far as like how how do you work well i, I uh you know i've I, uh, one of my partners is john campo piano um he's been with me since the beginning on making the monster and he did pennywise the story of it uh, he did the story about the making of Pet Cemetery, the, the feature film. Right. Um, and uh, and we're working, collaborating right now on a film called Sasqua, which was a lost Bigfoot film uh, that uh, uh, we're telling the story. It was made in Lowell, Massachusetts um, in the 70s, right after Jaws. And I really love the creative process of editorial, you know, shooting and production and getting everything in the can, as we say is you know exhilarating and discovering stories but the rubber hits the road when it comes to reading transcripts and starting to find stories and piece and and order the stories you know editing is all about juxtaposition and finding the right way to tell the story um you know a good uh, a mentor to me years ago in documentary said documentary is sort of like you're being handed a pile of feathers and now you need to make the most beautiful bird out of all those feathers that you've just been handed of all these colors. And it's very much true because you can tell a story very in a lot of different ways, playing with time. Maybe you tell the, you know, the beginning of the story in the present, and then you come back and start telling the past in the middle of your story. So there's a lot of ways to tell these stories. And I think that the audience, the audience is smart. We, you know, I, I try to give audiences the benefit of like being really intelligent to know subtleties and innuendo and things like that um but my creative process is you know get the the material recorded discover the material's strongest assets and then start to shape it in a way in editing uh that really benefits it to be exciting and engaging the information's important Mm -hmm. learning the new things are important but also being seduced by the storytelling method is important so it's that to me is, is a huge thing, but I love collaboration and I'm never as strong as I am with other people with coming up with new ideas and even in color grading, like Dave, maybe we do this cool and desaturated and make it kind of moody. And my mind was like, make it like saturated and punchy and kind of Disney like, and it was just the wrong choice, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so working with others is, is always going to be a revealing process to, every project has a vision that is going to reveal itself to you and, and listening to others as part of knowing when it's starting to reveal the way it should go. Now with the movie being close to 50 years old now, is it hard to find those sources to tell the stories or try to get a more proper story versus I think I heard something like this before. What? It, how easy is it find the resources to get this done? It's, you know, we um, we started six years ago on Making the Monster, and the truth is is that the, mo- the Internet has been a wonderful vehicle to find all these people who haven't had their stories shared. Um, I'm a member, uh, because I grew up on Martha's Vineyard and lived there year-round for about six years, uh, there's a group on Facebook called Islanders Talk, which is about 19,000 Martha's Vineyard residents. And it didn't take long to start to ask for people to share archival photos that have never been seen, oh, nice. even eight millimeter Ooh. film. Um, and we started to find assets and stories worth getting interviews for uh, that proved to be stories nobody's ever heard of. Uh, we got the bartender who witnessed the food fight 
that the actors talk about getting into. He was there to see the food fight at the Harborview Hotel that spilled into the pool. And this was about in August of 74. Um, and, uh, you know, there's uh, besides Richard Dreyfus and, you know, Roy Scheider and them, uh, this is the only other vineyarder we've been able to find that actually was an eyewitness to seeing that food fight happen and get out of control there at, uh, at dinner. Um, but yeah, it, it hasn't been hard. It, it's, it would have been hard if like the internet didn't exist, but thankfully it does. And, uh, we, you know, the more that we've been able to build up materials and show people what we've got so far, um, we've been able to get more participation and I'll be driving to New Jersey in a couple of weeks to get a woman who lived above the production office where the, the morgue scene was shot and the, um, uh, chief Brody's office was shot. And she witnessed a whole bunch of things going on in that production office. Never been interviewed for a documentary about Jaws before. We have nearly 50 interviews recorded for Making the Monster with various wow. people, including Excellent. Joe Alves, uh, Carl Gottlieb, Calicord with special effects. We have Hollywood people and we have vineyard people. Um, and that's just, you know, luckily we always had 2025, the 50th anniversary being in mind for the deadline of this project. So start, starting six years ago to get all these interviews, we have a lot of material to choose from. So making three hours of television is not going to be that hard when you've got 50 hours of raw interview chock full of great stories. Yeah, you kind of segue to what I want to ask you, like when when can we expect this project as far as like, is there is there a... a an end line in sight, like, uh, are, are we going to see this soon or is this still a couple of years away? We, we want to debut this with the anniversary of Jaws when it turns 50 years old, June 20th, 2025. Okay. That's our deadline. Right. You got some time, a little bit of time. Yeah. All right. Two years. We get just no. under two years. Um, and we've been, we've been working for six. So, you know, we have a lot of things, you that's know, it? we've been developing that are, that's it. Only yeah. six. Yeah, only six years. Yeah. <laughs> now, if you need to push so, it out, are you going to do it on the anniversary of Jaws for the Revenge? Is that the plan? <laughs> um, if if as a fallback, probably yeah. But um, you know, for the for the original film that's canon, uh, we're we're going to try and stick to that. Out of curiosity, what are your thoughts on like the sequels and like? kind of the knockoffs like deep blue sea the meg and all do, do any of the other ones like feel like oh, okay this is in my heart genre or you're like all right you'll never even get somewhat near one i don't i don't think any film about sharks since jaws has captured what jaws captured i don't think it's been done I think that it's great. You know, there are films that, that do, you know, I enjoyed the shallows. I enjoyed the story of the shallows and the, the, you know, being haunted by this predator. Um, I liked open water. I liked that whole story about that couple that got stranded out in the water and, you know, which was based on a true story and eventually probably devoured by sharks. Um, I don't think, I think Jaws is a, uh, its own moment in history that can't be duplicated in terms of cinema, in terms of what cultural impact it had. Um, and the fact that the storytelling was just so great, but not just the storytelling, the ensemble cast of Scheidershaw and, and, and Dreyfus, um, the, the humility found in the people of Martha's Vineyard who made those characters so authentic 
you know, everything, all those sequels afterwards were using basically professional actors and, and extras and people from the area. But Jaws was captured in a place where the people of Martha's Vineyard, that is them. When you see Amity and their inhabitants in Jaws, you're seeing Martha's Vineyard in the 1970s and what those people were really like at that time. And that's what gave it such a unique feeling of being like, oh, that can really, that people, they have a texture, they have a sensibility that I get is very unique to them. So, um, but I enjoy those films. I saw the Meg. I know the Meg sequel's coming out soon. They're, you know, they're, it's like, uh, and there's a, a, a documentary calling out, coming out on Shudder called Shark Exploitation, which is all about the fact that all these shark movies and shows get made to sort of like ride the wave that the Jaws, you know, <laughs> that Jaws propelled and began. Right, exactly. um, and I get it because Jaws inspired not just film lovers, they inspired like, you know, shark lovers and, and oceanography lovers and, and, and an understanding of the sea. So it's been great, but we've obviously evolved. Like people now look at sharks as a, they're a species to be protected and not uh, vilified as Jaws did. And Spielberg has come out against, you know, shark hunting and, and Jaws did create like murder, killing of sharks for a while after, because people were so fearful of them. The movie really scared them and they thought they were enemies to be destroyed you know, not respected. So it's yeah. interesting what's happened. Mm. Now, uh, being such a fan of the movie and being involved in the movie, have you ever got, have you been able to meet the cast? Like, have you met all, all the people involved? Or are you still kind of on the outside of it? Uh, I've, I've, I've spoken to uh, some cast members and a lot of the crew. Um, some I've only talked to on the phone. Some I've met in person and interviewed them. Um, so it's, uh, you know, they're all they're It's the film's 50 years old and they were in their mid twenties to thirties <laughs> working on it. So they're all very, 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 uh, you know, up in, in age. Sure. Yeah. Uh, some, yeah. some people can't travel that well. I'll be traveling around the country this fall, picking up interviews in Los Angeles and also Arizona and Virginia with crew that were worked on jaws, but are just, they're too old to go anywhere. And, and I'm going to get them. I want to get them as long as as I'm able to get them because again, they are, they're older and, and you don't know when we'll lose them. We got the last interview with Michael Chapman, the cameraman on jaws. He passed mm. about a year after we got his interview. Um, we've lost a couple of other people uh, as well that we interviewed. And it's just, when you work on a project as old as based on jaws, you realize yeah. you've got to, the time is not on your yeah, side. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, Dave, um, I mean, I've really enjoyed hearing your story. You remind, we were lucky enough to interview, I'm not sure if you heard of Eric Zala. He actually, as a kid, did a shot-by-shot redoing of Raiders of the Lost Ark, which actually, after time, he was lucky enough to finish and get help from Steven Spielberg yep. on that project. So just hearing your story and your passion about telling everything about the community and all, I really enjoy this and I'm looking forward to this project. So uh, if anybody wants to keep up with you, keep get an idea of what's the latest on the project or help out in any way, where could they go to learn more? So we have a, a since the beginning of the project, we have an Instagram account called making the monster, all one word. Um, and uh, you can go to that Instagram account. It has plenty of uh, pieces of information, photos, uh, a lore that we picked up about the crew and the people in the vineyard uh, in particular and uh, with 
relation to Jaws. So uh, in, uh, making the monster on Instagram, uh, please, you know, follow us. We also have, um, we developed during the pandemic, the ultimate Jaws location guide, which is a guide in Google Earth 3D that you can see all the places on the vineyard that were used to film Jaws. And oh, there's cool. stills that are attached to those. Um, and uh, if you ever go to the vineyard, there's a lot of people who are planning a pilgrimage for the 50th anniversary in two years. They're going to go to the vineyard. This is a mobile ready app and it will let you walk and talk basically, you know, go through and here's where the, 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 the store, the hardware store where Brody's brushes are, are you know, fall over when he's trying to grab the right, brushes. Right. <laughs> uh, you know, here's where the tiger shark was hung up, you know, here's a, so we have over 70 locations on that map that basically can be, you know, navigated to, uh, if you're not familiar with Martha's Vineyard, I've been going to the vineyards for 45 years at this point in my life, uh, almost 50. Um, and, uh, but a lot of people who want to go and see the locations of Jaws, the, the, the location guide can be really helpful. It's free. There's no charge. We don't, we just want people to enjoy being able to access all the sites that they saw in their favorite movie on the Island. Last question. How, how many times you, do you think you've seen Jaws in entirety? Um, my kids would say a million. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Out of curiosity, um, can you find yourself in the movie? Or are you like, there's daddy in there? Or were you just like a uh, spec? My mother at one point thought that I was a character that you see on screen uh, in the Alex Kintner scene. Um, I've actually learned that it was not me. My mother has passed. So I wasn't able to get the full understanding of the story, but I was on the beach that day with Lee Fierro shooting for these crowded beach scenes. But I, I don't believe you can see me in the film uh, in yeah. particular. Uh, so, um, but yeah, I do remember being cold and being given a wool blanket on the beach to like keep myself warm between takes. So. <laughs> <laughs> so. And final question, how many of the Sharknado movies have you watched of the six? Uh, I've seen. I I think I've seen two. I've definitely seen the original Sharknado, and I might have seen the third one. Um, I'm sorry because it is it's dumb, silly fun, right? Yeah. Well, you couldn't understand three by not seeing two. The plot line, you probably been like, "What's going on here?" You know. Exactly. It it needs to make sense to me. Um, and uh, I did see the scene where the guy that I might, it might be Ian Ziering because I know he does a lot of these Sharknado movies, mm. but he uses the sharks like uh, paddles to like you know uh, for somebody uh, being resuscitated with a CPR. <laughs> he uses electric sharks to charge and like zap them back to life. Uh, I, if that's not realistic, I can't imagine what would be. Absolutely, <laughs> Dave. Uh- Thank you so much. We really appreciate the time. We appreciate you pulling over and starting the interview on time. Good luck to you. Keep in touch with us. We really want to hear about this project coming to fruition. Well, like I said, you got the deadline and date, so make sure to be looking around uh, the twenty June twentieth of twenty twenty five. That's that's the, we'll be hopefully announcing well before that. But that's our our, our ultimate plan. You know, when the movie's done, we'll bring you back on to really, really talk about the release and everything that's going on with it. So, absolutely. Okay. Sounds great. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much, Dave.
All right, guys, this actually brings us to the end, the end of the Halloween spectacular. Um, it's good to be back. It's good to be back in full force here. Um, I want to thank David Bigelow for coming on. Keep your eyes out um, for that film. I will say um, Jaws definitely still holds up. I watched it um, probably about a year ago. I was like, oh, Jaws, I haven't seen this in forever. And it's still like cinematically fantastic and the acting's just so good acting's great tension uh lines we need a bigger boat to, yeah it's not a flaw in the movie no the sequels plenty <laughs> yeah 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 um so i want to take david and wish him best of luck on that project um guys we are we are back i hope you enjoyed the halloween episode here it's always one of our favorites to kind of throw together and do something a, a little different than just our normal crap about what happened in your week and what happened in your week. And then here's some awesome guests. Hmm. Um, so thanks for tuning in, Mike, anything to uh, promote before we roll out of here? I'll relay what I talked about earlier, pumpkin spice, whatever piece of heaven. It's a dessert shop in Dallas, Georgia. Uh, every day they make uh, cheesecakes, cakes, banana pudding, breads, ice cream, coffee, uh, like literally you can go in there and have something different for the entire year. Like I did with uh, the pumpkin cinnamon rolls such nice people open uh, Monday through Saturday, such a nice little small family business. I love to support them. It's called peace of heaven in Dallas, Georgia. Yes. And I will quickly promote um, just a couple of days from now, uh, um, November 11th, doing a comedy show in Indian Lake, New Jersey. Um, there's still tickets available with the amazing headliner, Bonnie McFarlane. You've seen her on Comedy Central. Her husband's Rich Voss. They do a great podcast called My Wife Hates Me. It is open to the public, $25. Um, come on down. Super treat. Yeah, super treat. Super cheap drinks. Uh, just a really good time. So come on down. That is a comedy show for everybody. Guys, it's been great. Great to be back. We'll be back with another episode next week. Uh, stay spooky. We're out. Oh, that's the ending? Nope. Oh.